Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain! And now your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, it's Al Mancini! today hey congratulations thank you for that and um, congratulations for letting me back one more time Scott I appreciate it anyone if this is your first time watching top of the food chain I got to warn you this ain't the Paula Dean show we're <laughs> doing something a little different here but we are here to teach you everything you need to know over the course of several weeks about food and about dining so we're gonna have a lot of fun with it I want to let you guys know that if you're watching live right now on the Vegas video network we've got a chat room going on so feel free to hit us with any questions you have if you are watching this later because you've gotten it on iTunes or YouTube and you've got questions for future shows, feel free to hit them with those at food at VegasVideoNetwork.com. There it is right down there. Okay, and we will get to them next week or the week after or whenever we get them, honestly. Um, so I also want to remind you guys we've got a lot of other great shows here at the Vegas Video Network. Check them all out. Um, I can't list through all of them too many to remember, but there's a lot of good stuff going on. So anyway, let's get today kicked off. How are we today? Scott, how's it going over there? Another beautiful day in paradise. How was your weekend, brother? I, I had a good, good um, holiday weekend. How about yourself? Well, I uh, went to get a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> yeah. Not I'm... for me. But uh, we went and saw, what's the place at Mirage? Uh, King Inc.? Yeah. That's where we went. What do you think of that place? Um, it's Mario Barth's place, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Mario's a really well-known tattoo artist, does some great work, you know. I mean, I always have a little problem going with the, to the big names on the strip because I just feel like you're really paying for the name, you're paying for the location. Yeah. You know, personally, you know, if I could plug my favorite guy, Dirk Vermin, over at Pussycat Tattoo, off-strip, really cool guy, always has great people working for him. But you go to these big-name places like Barth's place, you're definitely going to get great work. You know? It was. It was good stuff. The, the problem that with the place was we went there at, like, I think it was one in the morning on a Saturday. So there's a club attached to it. So it's that bump did a bump did a bump did a bump did a bump and the whole we're filling it in our chest while these people are getting tattooed. Eh, didn't and quite didn't quite work for me, but it was okay. Who exactly was getting tattooed and what'd they uh, get? A couple friends. Uh, one of them got an an ox, the uh, Egyptian thing of a bob. Ankh. Onk? An okay. onk, yes. Or an onk. Okay. Two onk is an onk. So you're saying they got an ox. And the other one was a, uh, I think it was a Gaelic or, or Irish something or other on, on his back that meant some stuff that I, I don't remember. You I don't know. I took, a, I took a, a limo to and from there, so I'd been drinking. I was going to say, how many drinks had you had there? Uh, a few. <laughs> okay. So um, well, I got to tell you, I had, had an interesting weekend. Um, some, some good times, some bad times, but I have to say it ended on a really incredible note. You want to pull up that photo of how I spent my Monday dinner? Oh, see, now that, now that is the way that you want to eat. Um, that is myself with Joanna Angel and Jenna Hayes. And for those of you sitting watching this show with your wives and girlfriends who are pretending you don't know who those ladies are, they're two of the biggest film, um, adult film stars in the world, beautiful young ladies. And I got the chance to take them over to STK. I know you know I do a lot of other projects. I'm working on some video projects where I take some of my celebrity friends and acquaintances out into restaurants and, and educate them in the restaurant the same way I like to educate people here. Um, so we went to SDK and we got to teach porn stars about meat. 
which, you know, that's <laughs> not usually the way it works, usually the other way around, kind of. But um, so that was a lot of fun. I got to say, though, Scott, this is the weird thing that happened to me this, this weekend is, you know, I got the call from my buddy, said that Jenna and Joanna were going to be in town, we should hang out. And I said, yeah, you know, maybe they'd like to come out and we'll do a little tasting somewhere, you know, take them and shoot something. And I started, of course, my chef friends called immediately. You post that on Facebook, and every chef I know is like, please bring the ladies in, bring the ladies in. And um, it seemed like it was a no-brainer until we start going up the corporate structure. And it's a little odd. I mean, we're here in Las Vegas. And of course, you can't shoot in any restaurant. You've got to clear it with the casinos, and you've got to clear it with if they've got corporate bosses, if it's a national chain, um, all these people. And once it started going up the corporate structure, you know, once we were on the phone, like, hey, we, we're going to shoot the show. Oh, yeah, Al, we love you. We'd love to have you in to do, do a video shoot. Yeah, they did say that. They say they love me. But um, they find out that it's going to be with um, adult film actresses, and they get a little weird about it. <laughs> and I'm like, we're in Las Vegas. Isn't, the, isn't our like, motto, come here and do dirty stuff that you'll be embarrassed of at home? I mean, isn't that sort of our, our city's motto? I'm not sure that's the actual motto. Uh, no, but are you surprised by that? By the way, you should tell people that you have a, a legal background. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a former attorney. I'm still admitted to the New York State Bar, although I think I'm a little behind on my dues, so don't call them and mention that. But yeah, I, I'm just a little surprised that in a town that sort of encourages sin and makes its living off of sin, that it was a, people were a little iffy, and I had to call around to a lot of different places and really talk to them about you know, getting permission. And you know, thankfully, the people at STK, they came through great national chain of restaurants. Um, Stephen Hopcraft, my chef friend over there, really pulling for it. The guys at the Cosmopolitan, really, really super cool about putting it together. But I was just shocked when I started calling the various casino chains around town that they were a little reluctant. I mean, does it not sound odd to you, Scott? Well, it doesn't. Because, you know, the, the whole party atmosphere thing, it makes for good copy. But the truth is, the average tourist is 50 years old. And so their, their concern is, is that going to piss off the the tourist who's in North Carolina who doesn't want a porn star. And the second thing is, from a corporate perspective, I, I don't know what a porn star is going to do. So you know, would I put them on here? Yeah, probably. But I could see why a corporation would be concerned with how they might behave. Well, you know, two points, and not to get too far off track, but, you know, just want to talk about what I'm doing in my food life, and this was it this week. Um, one, the 50-year-old people love the porn stars. I've been covering the adult, <laughs> I've been covering the AVN Awards probably for about 15 years out here in Las Vegas. And um, I always see the ladies kind of lined up to go into award shows. And basically, the red carpet is packed with the older tourists who just want to catch a glimpse of them. So that doesn't, you know, I don't know if that really flies with me. But hey, it, it just struck me as a little bit odd. Anyway, on that are. note, we're going to take a station break. Anybody have any um, comments about porn stars? Feel free to put them on the chat line as well. <laughs> and um, we'll take a station break. We're going to get back, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, charcuterie and salumi. And if you don't know what those words mean, you are about to learn. Hey, baby. Hey. <laughs> Gentle. Okay, all right. Hi, this is Jacob Cannon from Let's Bet, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network. Now, somebody bring me a jelly donut. Okay, and we are back, and now we're actually going to talk food. 
I promise people. Um, Kristen, I've got Kristen Sandy from Valley Cheese and Wine. Who looks, hey, it's great to have you here, first of all. Thank you, you for having me. You look a little scared mm -hmm. after that opening. <laughs> yeah. Not sure how to follow that one up. Um, uh, I guess well, we'll talk about meat. We will talk about food, yes. And that's what we're here for. You know, I want to introduce people, everybody out there. I don't even know how many people are familiar with the word charcuterie or the word salumi. I know it can really intimidate people, but you see it on, on the menu at some incredible restaurants, and yeah. a lot of times you can pick your own. Um, of course, it is meat, and that's what we have out here in front of us, examples of all sorts of delicious types of charcuterie. It's a French term. As I understand it, um, it falls into three basic categories, usually salted cured meat products, and that's, that's basically fancy hams. I mean... It is. It started from the basic need to preserve raw meats. And there's all different ways that you can do it. There's, uh, and really, all the countries have their own styles. Um, there's pate, there's salamis, there's whole hams, cured hams, even like duck leg confit, which is a, another way of preserving it. Right, and that's usually preserved in its own fat as a confit, right? Usually fat and salt are the main components to it. Um, but they can, I mean, it's so varied, and that's what's so fun about it. And then, yeah, so you have your salted products, and then, of course, you also have a lot of uh, sausages, basically. And those are your salamis, yep. and people are always yep. very familiar with that. And then you have, I guess, more your pâtés and your terrines. Mm -hmm. Yep. So could you go through, give me a basic, I mean, obviously, we know what a salted meat is that you just explained to preserve yeah. it. Um, a sausage, what, by definition, what makes something a sausage? Sausage is a fresh meat as opposed to a salami, which would be dried and cured. But essentially, they're the same thing. It's just one is really young, one is more aged. Um, here's a great, we have a couple of salamis here. Um, two are pork, and one is actually made with wild boar. And which is this um, that we're looking at right here? That one's from Fermani in Berkeley, California. It's a chef named Paul Bertoli. And um, they're very classic, straightforward Italian styles. The other two that we have are from Salumeria Bialese in New York City. Um, one is a hot sopressata. Okay, and then go. the other is this fabulous little wild boar cacciatorini. Cacciatorini means in the hunter style. Um, so it's one that's aged. It's one that they would take on them, you know, with them, kind of like beef jerky, which right. is really kind of the same thing, you know, charcuterie. Um, something that they would take as nourishment for when they were out hunting. Okay, and then I guess the last product, and you've got a great example of it right here, and this is a pate. Mm -hmm. yep. And that scares people. They hear pate and they're always afraid it's some kind of liver that they don't want to eat. Or well, What's a pate yeah. really mean? What's the general definition of a pate? Well, it is a ground, fresh, moist meat product. It can be, um, you know, pork can be poultry, it can even be fish, and there are some vegetable ones. Um, some are more meat-driven, like this one, the Campania, which means country style. Um, it's a more coarse ground, and then there's mousses, which are more liver-driven. Um, you know, I always ask a person you know, who's wondering, well, what do you like? Do you like it more meaty, or do you want it more livery? And that kind of, you can decipher from there. Okay, now if people are um, curious out there, the difference between, say, a pate and a terrine, I mean, is it, do we really need to worry about that, or are we kind of just talking the same thing generally? Splitting hairs, right. generally speaking. You've got to be really taking your master's exam in food <laughs> to, to have to right. know the difference between those two. And really, ultimately, it's about flavor. Mm. And so even if you don't use the correct word, it's like the ultimate thing is, do you like it? 
Right, and these are mm -hmm. put in a mold, and that's how they, they basically make yep. them. Most of your sausages, they're using, um, like I guess, intestines for the most part is the casing, right? Is the casing, yep. Right. There's natural, and then there's paper casing. Um, natural seems to, you know, which is the intestines, seems to produce the most interesting, best results, right. in my opinion. And that, that shouldn't be scary to people out there because, I mean, you know, you eat hot dogs and you gr most of us yeah. grew up eating stuff that was cased in intestines. Yeah. Hey, Scott, we have a question over there. Yeah, uh, Jackie asked about um, induja. Yes. Um, that is a fresh, uh, it's, it's kind of like a cross between salami and pate. It is, there's only one producer that I know of commercially, which is out of uh, San Francisco area. Um, but it's got pimenton and orange uh, spice to it, uh, orange peel. Now, when, when you go into um, to fine restaurants, a lot of them, mm -hmm. you, you're asked to choose your own, mm -hmm. your own basic. So you see a lot of different words on the menus. I mean, you know, you'll mm -hmm. see crazy things. You'll see duck pastrami's and mm -hmm. you'll see, um, what are the, you've got a few examples right here mm -hmm. on the plate. We're gonna try, take me through them and we'll show them to people and I'll taste mm -hmm. them and we'll talk about how they actually taste, what people should be looking right. for. Um, again, it comes down to what you like. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit with what you're pairing with it. Certain ones are better with white wines, you know, or red wines. Um, but ultimately, it's about being adventurous and you know knowing what you like. Okay. So that's, let's start with the pate because this is yep. what's going to scare people right off the bat is mm -hmm. the pate. So if I can be brave enough to eat this pate, then you know that there's nothing that should scare you on this plate. Well, right? you know that's a funny thing. A pate has this whole aura of you know people get really intimidated, but honestly, it's kind of like cold meatloaf. <laughs> okay. I mean, really, it's it's. You know, Make a nice it's cold, very simple. Cold meatloaf sandwich out of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, so here we have a little bit. And what is actually in this pate that I'm going to be checking out right here? Predominantly pork. Okay. There's black pepper in it, um, some spices, but it's predominantly pork. Mm. It's predominantly yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have to talk with my mouth full. Sorry, people. Yeah. So run us through what else we have. So we also have, um, which is in front of us, uh, serrano ham from Spain. So that is the whole leg and they cure that yeah, as we opposed can get a to picture of this because people sometimes you don't really understand where this stuff comes from and I mean this is a whole leg of a pig that I'm holding up here mm -hmm. and when you take that that whole leg of a pig and then there we go yeah. and you slice it extraordinarily thin and we get what we have here on the plate which I'll hold up for people yep. which is just this beautiful paper thin piece of ham mm -hmm. so almost you mm. slice it Almost like tissue paper. Mm -hmm. and, and unless you're cooking with it, that's really the way you want it. Right. Very thin. Um, salty, meaty, earthy. Yeah. Um, fabulous with something that's sweet. All right. Now, it's got a little bit of fat in there, so you are going to notice bit a fat. little bit of chewiness. But yep. of, you know, of the many charcuteries I've had, it's certainly not the fattiest that no. you would find out there. No. And Serrano is generally considered one of the finest hams in the world. Yes, absolutely. I'd say, if you're looking for the finest ham in the world, and money is no object, and money really has to be no object, mm -hmm. then we go with Iberia, uh, Iberico ham, excuse Correct. me, right? And yeah. that's the Pata Negra. Pata Negra, it's the breed, and it means black hoof. And it's a very ancient uh, pig that is the direct descendants of the original Iberian boar. Um, and then there's even different kinds within that. Um, there's some that are finished on acorns only. 
Right, um, I've heard that. And there is a difference. There yeah. really is a difference. And But that, just to warn you people, if you can find places you are going to spend maybe 40 or $50 for a few slices of that seems fairly yep. normal. Um, if, if you do want to ever try that, there are a lot of places here in town that have it. Send you to L'Atelier de Joël Robichon has it incredibly. Um, that you can also get it at um, Julian Serrano mm -hmm. has it on the menu. Yep. So next, now what we have coming up next, this looks more like just a basic piece of salami that people would be used to having. Mm -hmm. What is it? <laughs> it is an artisanal chorizo. Okay. And we have a couple different chorizos. Um, this particular one is really interesting. Um, it gets kicked out of customs a lot. Uh, sometimes because it has natural casing and sometimes because it has, you know, regular casing. They just don't know what to do with it. Um, but what we do with the, the natural casing, we end up giving it to the dog, if you know what I mean. Okay. It's got everything on it. Right. The hairs and everything. Okay. So, mmm, so, yeah. um, yum. Yeah. Well, yum. Well, I've never met a food I wouldn't try, but I don't think I've had that yet. Yeah. So, we'll have to... So, this, uh, this chorizo has pimentone in it, which gives it that smoky, you know, rich sweetness to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is smoky. It's smoky, but it's not like a chorizo that you may be used to having in, say, I don't know, a gumbo or something like that, where you, you know, it's right. a, this is a, a more moist, not as quite as dry. Exactly, and totally different than the Mexican style, right. which they shouldn't call them the same name because they're really two different things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now we've got something nice and dark right up here mm -hmm. in the center. That's Italian brasola, and that is an air-cured beef. And you'll notice there's lots of juniper. Mm. But the, it's cured with salt and lots of different herbs. One of my personal favorites. It's just so complex and rich. Um, you slice that thin like prosciutto. Uh, typically, it's served on a a little salad, if you will, um, with arugula, olive oil, and lemon oil, uh, and fresh lemon. Now that, if you're watching like The Sopranos and they're like, you got the brujol, is that, is that the what they're brujol, talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> okay, yeah, got the brujol. Probably, yeah. So, I mean, this has been great. You know, I wanted to ask you if you have a few, obviously you can get it at your place, um, a few restaurants mm -hmm. that you recommend for getting? Um, I mean, there, there are quite a few that I, I would recommend. I'd say Onda Wine Lounge is one of my favorite places in mm -hmm. the Mirage. They've got a great selection. Um, Actually, um, some of the same items they have at Cetabello Pizza on their um, antipasto platter. Wow. So which is surprising. So there you go. More so casual go and get some pizza. Yeah. And hopefully this will kind of demystify, you know, the idea of this charcuterie, this crazy French word that everybody's afraid yeah. of. Guys, it's really just hams and salamis mm -hmm. and sausages and, um, and the occasional pate, which you should not be scared of anymore. Yes. So we're going to take a quick break, but I do want to, I've got another expert here. First of all, thanks for your mm -hmm. time. Thank I've got you. another expert here who actually makes his own salumi. So we will be back speaking to him just after this message. No pressure. Hi, I'm... <laughs> Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers from, can't think of the name of my damn show. Golf and other four-letter words, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network, I think. And we are back with another guest. Come on, that was a lot of running around and jumping and skipping and 
throwing hams around <laughs> all over the place, man. Um, and I am back with a different guest, Gino Bernardo, a good friend of mine. Not quite as pretty as our last guest. I apologize for that, but he's a, he's a good guy anyway. Um, Gino Bernardo, head chef at Nove Italiano, one of my absolute favorite restaurants here in town. It's at the top of the Palms Fantasy Tower and great restaurant, incredible view. Great Italian food up there, some good steaks that, he, that you do up there, and definitely you made my book, Eating Las Vegas, the 50 Essential Restaurants, definitely one of the restaurants I consider essential if you're gonna visit Las Vegas. But why I have Gino here is not just to tell him how great he is, <laughs> it's actually, Gino's um, one of the cooler chefs here in town, and a few people have started doing this now. You actually make your own charcuterie, we make salumi. Can we talk the difference, salumi is, not just an Italian word for charcuterie, but it's actually an Italian type of charcuterie. It's an right? Italian. It's an Italian type of uh, salumi that um, recipes that are handed down from my great grandfather that used to do it in, at home in a basement, and other and other uh, chefs that uh, I followed and uh, took their restaurants and I uh, took their recipes and just tweaked them to what I feel uh, works for me. And so, how hard is it to make this stuff? And this, this is kind of new because you originally started off importing your stuff actually from yeah. Mario Batali's father, yeah, right? Yeah, Armandino Batali. Um, we we were his first national account seven years ago. Um, I use other I use other guys too, uh, Paul Patoli, uh, Cremelli. But uh, we, uh, myself and my exec sous chef Tony Schutz, we really started to make a commitment towards making in-house salumi, and it's been it, it, it's an amazing it's an amazing gratifying thing to do every day. Now, let's, we've got some finished products up here. You brought how many different types of salumi for us? Uh, we have five different types of salumi. Okay. Now, I'm looking at these, and we've got um, right next to each other on a plate, which hopefully we can get a camera shot of. You have pepperoni and bastardo. Bastardo yeah. is usually just what I thought Italian women called me when I spoke <laughs> to them. You know, That's right, that I, Yeah, that, that was pretty much it. But they look very, very similar. And even if I turn them up here. Tip them into the yeah, tip them into the camera. Sorry, people. But, I mean, if you look at these, they look, uh, there we go. They look extremely similar there. And um, if, you, if I were to see the two of them on a plate, I don't know that I'd be able to tell the difference. Pepperoni's a little darker. A little darker. Um, uh, red wines and uh, the pepperoni. It's not your pepperoni that you used to as eating as a kid. This has a little more uh, black pepper. A little, uh, we put a little sugar in there. A okay. little cayenne and a little paprika. And then the bastardo is different because what's involved in that? The bastardo is just a family, our, our, my, my family's recipe. It has black pepper, it has a little fennel, um, white wine, a lot of garlic. Uh, we use a fat back. Uh, we grind that a little, a coarser grind, and then a smaller coarser grind on the fat back. Okay, and then the other three that you have over there, which we will bring, and we will kind of lean into that camera once again if we can. Um, so we've got three more over here. I really got to get more camera savvy on this one, sorry. But run through what they are for me again. We have a mole, we have a Toscano, and we have a Finocchiono. The mole is Armandino Batali's. I really wanted to bring that to you and showcase it. Okay. I mean, it's, he's doing something a little different than, and he has a lot more time than I do to make something like that. Okay, so now tell me, I'm gonna try this mole. Here you go. This is from Mr. Batali. We have nice slices. If the you... famous Mario Batali's father. And, oh, okay, yeah, here we have it nice and sliced, nice, nice, nice and thin, thin there, so I don't have to break my teeth on yeah. it. Mmm, there's so many flavors in there. So you have ancho, you have uh, chili, you have chocolate, and cinnamon. Yeah, the sweetness is what really surprises you. If you're eating, you know, you're used to eating salamis and things like that, you get the real sweetness yes. out of that. That's absolutely amazing. Then I would try the Finocchiono. This is, there's a great story that goes with Finocchiono. Um, there was a thief in a village. He stole a salumi from a fair. He uh, hid it in a field of wild fennel, 
came back a couple days later and it had this intense aroma of fennel. So that's where basically the finocchio, how it, how it developed. Okay, and I'm gonna take- So it's gonna have a lot of fennel. Um, this is a coarser fat backed also. And this is, um, we use this shoulder of, of the pig. Mm. Yeah, definitely heavy on the fennel, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have a question. I'll, I'll let somebody else speak because my mouth is full. <laughs> Scott. We have two. First of all, one of our female viewers thinks Gino is cute. Oh, thank you. So I put okay. that out there for you. Let's make sure we get that out there. And uh, Nate wants to know, is there a difference between salami and salumi? It's just two different words, um, salumi being the Italian version of, of salami, and salami is just a generic, a generic term for it. And, um, yeah, and I actually was just trying to get a fennel seed out of my <laughs> teeth there. That's I got. You could definitely taste it. Um, so you make your own. How hard is it? I mean, how, you know, could the average person make this stuff at home? Um, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's two great books that I, I read, uh, The Art of Making Salumi and Paul Batoli's Cooking by Hand. Uh, it's just commitment and dedication, um, getting the right products, um, and then starting it out. And there is a definitely a try. I mean, the first couple of batches, me and my, me and my exec sous chef, we had to throw out because we, we, the culture wasn't right. Um, we didn't age it properly. So it's, a learn, it's definitely a learning curve. But um, now we're nailing it every time that we're making them. So it's kind of interesting and it's fun. And, you know, we're experimenting now. We have wild boar going. Uh, we do, we're doing a, a foie gras. A foie gras salumi that really? yeah that we wow. that we just started so and do you work with duck at all ever yeah we we do a lot of duck different a lot of duck um, that's a really simple cure right. you know duck prosciutto is one of the that's that's a, for a beginner that's the easiest one to start out with because that's just a really quick cure um, this is um, at its first stage yeah this is what I wanted to talk about is because what we have we're lucky enough to have um, Gino's brought us something that he just started making and then the various phases in the process and how it actually turns out as we go along. So you started this when? Yesterday. Okay, tell me what you did yesterday. What was your day like? So yesterday, was a, yesterday uh, we got all our ingredients, all our pork, all our fat. We measured it out. Um, we put our different seasonings for different types of salumis that we're going to make. We, uh, the, key, the key thing is just making sure that you have uh, all your equipment is clean and sharp and then you, then you start it out. Uh, we grind everything, and then we come down, and then we put it into our natural casings. Okay, so this is the intestine of some, some animal. Exactly, this is the intestine of some animal. What animal? Uh, <laughs> this is actually a pig. It's a pig? A pig. Okay, so. Pig on pig. Pig on pig. <laughs> so then uh, we stuff them, and then um, actually we seal them. Yeah, you, you see, can see, see it's the actually seal, tied off. Tied off, there. sealed. Then uh, we label everything with the date, and uh, what, what the starting weight would be, because every uh, couple of weeks we uh, make sure that they're, uh, they're losing weight. So then we put it in, then we uh, spray it with a starter culture, mm -hmm. and then we hang it. And that starter culture is, that's a... Um, that's the fungus. That's the fungus on that, the outside. That, that's what it's we want. Mold, the mold, mold that we want. Right. White, white, good, healthy mold. That's, where, that's, that's what this yeah, is going to we'll be. Yeah, we'll bring this up now, because then you hang it. He was going to show that we hang it, and then after it's been hanging for about how long does it look this like This is that? about... This is a good, uh, about a month and a half. 
Okay, and the other one over there, is this that, younger or that? This is younger, younger and then okay. that's a finished okay, product. Okay, so this is a month and a half. So after you, you kind of spray the mold on the outside yeah. and you hang it, you have to put it in a specific temperature, light? Yeah, you want, you, you want a circulation. We have a little fan on the bottom, anywhere from 55 to 62 degrees that we're looking at. Okay, and then now we've got almost pretty much a finished product. Yeah. And you can see the, the slight difference in colors between the two of them. And well, you can't really see the difference on the inside, but obviously you can see you know, as it progresses how these babies work. How long overall from beginning to end? Five months. Five months? And so it's a dedication. It's, it's a five-month process. Yeah. And I know a lot of guys here in town also do it. I mean, of course, you can get it at Nove, some homemade stuff. I know that um, Mario Batali and Zach his people Allen. do it. Zach Allen does yeah, it for B&B. B&B Ristorante and um, Carnavino. Those are both Mario Batali restaurants. Zach Allen's his local executive chef, and he does this. You know of any other guys who are doing it? Um, I don't know. Um, I really, I, I, know, I, I know Zach because I was, you know, we're very close friends, and we, we talk about this and everything like that, so. Right. Um, so would you advise people to give it a shot at home? Yeah, I mean, of course, cooking at home is fun. Cool. Now, do you have um, any advice for people when they go into a restaurant and they're going to be trying this kind of stuff for their first time? Or they're, because I know especially a lot of the Italian meats can be very fatty. Yeah, oh, it's, all, it, it's you know, 50-50, sometimes 70-30. I mean, there's a lot of fat into it. What would be the fattiest? The fattiest right now that we're making is going to be the Bastard. Okay, the Bastardo, which yeah. I tried earlier, yeah. I just keep eating the whole, I, I ate the big piece instead of the slices, yeah. sorry. But, okay, well, looks like we have pretty much covered charcuterie. I know, mm, you gotta chew this stuff, that's <laughs> yeah, why, yeah. that's why you cut it, that's why That's you, why we cut a paper thin. Cut it thin. So anyway, thanks a lot for coming down. Thank you so much, Al. Where would me. people get that mold if they want to try it at home, by the way? Um, it's in the book, to, to start your own starter culture. Okay, so. Thanks a lot. You know, I was hoping you might stick around. We try to um, take some email questions from, of course. from viewers. And given that we are talking about things that are basically sausages, I had an email question that in a way kind of fits in, not exactly. Um, but Brian asked what my favorite, and in this case, your favorite place in Las Vegas to get a hot dog would be. A hot dog? Yeah. Are you a big hot dog eater? Yeah, I like hot dog. I <laughs> I actually go to Nathan's at the at the Palms. Ah, uh, that's an easy one. That's an easy one. You're no. plugging your own resort. <laughs> there you go. George <laughs> Malou's watching right yeah, now. He's smiling. Right. He's um, you know, I just I'm gonna have a hot dog tonight at the 51s game, and I'll email you and I'll let you know how it let is. Let me know how it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tonight is um Thursday, so yeah. it's Dollar Beer Night. Dollar I think over night. there. I'm gonna. Yeah. I think I'm going next week for that. Um, I would say also for hot dogs, a new place I discovered. It's called um Papa Gio's. It's over on Rainbow around Russell. And they do a lot of Chicago, I just wrote it up on America Online, City's Best, a lot of Chicago style dishes that you don't get a lot of different places, but they do the traditional Chicago hot dog, which, uh, God, I don't even remember what's all on it. It's, um, you know, you've got, I think, avocado, you've yeah. got pickles on yeah, it. The, and the, the, alien, the alien pickles, the, yeah, the bright green just looking. totally thing. crazy. So not being from Chicago, I really enjoy it there. So there you go, Brian. Scott, do we have another question? Yeah, before we wrap up, Sue wants to know if you could recommend some cheese to go along with what we've been talking about today. For me, at the restaurant on the charcuterie and the salumi plate, we put on Parmesan Reggiano, the king of all cheeses. We uh, put a Telegio on there, and we make our own in-house ricotta. Now, Kristen is standing slightly off camera, but Kristen, is, you're still mic'd, I believe. So if yes. you could just, um, you could hang out over there, I guess. But tell us, what would you recommend with some of these? Um, I would choose, obviously, a favorite, um, probably sheep's milk. Okay. Sheep's milk go great. Um, softer, gooier, roviolas. 
um, and you know, hopefully American. <laughs> okay. So, and again, great selection of both um, salumi and charcuterie and cheese over at Christian's, uh, Christian's Place, excuse me, uh, Valley Cheese and Wine in Henderson. So that's great. I want to thank every, thank both of you for coming down. Hopefully we taught you a little something. As I always try to say, this stuff is not as scary as it sounds. And these are really, really just basics. There's nothing I like better than just going out, getting a bottle of wine and a plate of charcuterie, sometimes charcuterie with cheeses, and um, just a great way to kill an afternoon, especially if you can find some place that has outdoor dining. Now that the weather's kind of nice, it's just, you know, one of my favorite ways. So I want to thank everybody. I want to remind you. While we're here, of course, you know, I've, I've plugged these guys. i got to plug myself. Make sure you head out and pick up a copy of my book, Eating Las Vegas, The 50 Essential Restaurants. You can pick that one up at Amazon. I think right now it's on sale for like 10 bucks and change. So you can't go wrong. I need a royalty check, so let's do that. <laughs> Gino, I think you actually sell it in your restaurant, Yeah, we sell right? it at the Palms. So if you're up over at the Palms or at Nova Italiano, you can get it there. Okay. And I'll and sign it. Enough of it. Gino will sign it for you. Sign it on your page, or you can sign it on the office page. I don't care. And um, anyway, so that is it for today. We will be back next week talking more food here at Top of the Food Chain. <laughs>